Hello and welcome back to Say A Spotlight Season 2 Episode 17 We're your hosts Jake and Matt Been a while guys but we're looking forward to Say A restarting on January 4th After the spectacle that was the World Cup So we can keep you guys updated and keep on doing what we love As you may have noticed we did not plug an intro into this episode As um, we would actually like to use an old one from Season 1, Episode 33, where we highlighted the career of the late Sinisa Mihailovic, who sadly passed away after his second battle with leukemia last week. And it's safe to say, bro, that I was devastated. I was still on holiday when I, when I heard the news. Yeah, it was it was devastating. We know that Sinisa was, like you mentioned, battling with leukemia for the second time round. We knew that, obviously, he had to leave his duties at Bologna because of mm. that, but I had no idea... Um, thankfully, because that shows that media gave him some peace while he was going through devastating moments. Yeah, it's weird because you see him, you know, week in, week out on TV and you see him at his worst, you know, but then mm-hmm. he kind of gets better and you're like, OK, yeah. you know, you know, he's he's yeah. he's beating this. And, and, that was and then his... it happens so suddenly, man. Yeah, yeah it's quite, so sad. And, and that was his personality as well. The last time I saw him on TV, a, a journalist was asking questions and Sinisa was only cracking jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it seemed to me like, like that was... Definitely a massive part of his personality, which is why everyone around the world fucking loves Mihailovic. That's even true. people that are outside of the Serie A scene even show him respect. Yeah, and everyone said the same thing. Like, leader, warrior, great exactly. man, gentleman. Like, exactly. Yeah, we, we've lost a real character over here. We have. And we hope you guys get to learn something new about the late Mihailovic through this clip. And if not, maybe you can reminisce on what was a sensational career. Parte Mikhailovic, il suo sinistro, e gol, 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 doppietta di sinistra! This goal was scored by Sinisa Mikhailovic for Inter against Roma from a free kick back in... Stop! What the fuck is wrong with you? Why are we covering this one and not the free kick hat-trick against Sampdoria? I was looking for that one, obviously, but I couldn't find good commentary for it. What do you want me to do? Okay, fuck it. We'll just pretend. Maybe they they won't realize. No, they won't catch on. This goal was scored by (laughs) Sinisa Mihailovic for Lazio against Sampdoria in a 5-2 win back in 1998, where he scored the hat-trick of free kicks. Bro, that one, though, like all jokes aside, it was crazy because he had just joined Lazio from Samp that season. So he joined them and they played each other and he scored a hat-trick all from free kicks. And he like spent the level of disrespect. four years there, right? He spent four years at, at Sampdoria. Then he, he spent around four at Lazio as well. He actually holds the records for the most free kick goals in Serie A history. He has about 28, I believe. Jesus Christ. Um, it's super interesting because the man was a centre-back, but you could have easily mistaken him for a centre midfielder with his yeah, style of play. And he probably could have played there as well. He was known for his long-range shooting, his long-range passing, and that kind of caused him to push up uh, into the midfield throughout, throughout the game. He scored a total of 66 goals from the centre-back position. Like you said, 28 goals of those were free kicks and he's played for clubs like Vojvodina, Red Star, which are obviously um, Serbian and Yugoslavian clubs, Yugoslavian at the time. And in Italy, he's played for Roma, Samp, Lazio and Inter. Um, he's won pretty much everything there is to win in Italy. He has won the Serie A with Lazio, the Coppa Italia twice with Lazio, the Super Coppa Italiana twice with Lazio, the UEFA Cup Winners' Cup and the UEFA Super Cup all with Lazio alone. Then with Inter, he's also won the Serie A in 2006, the Coppa Italia on two separate occasions and the Super Coppa Italiana in 2005. His love for football didn't really allow him to step away from the game after retirement. He joined Inter's management staff the season after he retired. He became their assistant manager. He also went on to coach Catania, Fiorentina, Serbia, Sampdoria, Milan, Torino, Sporting and two stints at Bologna, who he is currently managing. I mean, the guy has just had a glittering professional career and he's loved by millions across the world. But his youth life wasn't exactly easy and it's probably even harder nowadays. Yes, um, he came up from very humble beginnings. His father, Bogdan, was a Serbian truck driver, while his mother, who's Croatian, worked in a shoe factory. And his parents were Serbian and Croatian. This was all during the Croatian War of Independence from Yugoslavia. And his house was even destroyed by Croatian forces, among whom was his childhood best friend, who was part of the forces, an ethnic Croat, uh, which forced his parents to actually flee their homes, obviously. 
Despite this, he has since forgiven his childhood friend in a meeting in Zagreb prior to the crucial Euro 2000 qualification match between Yugoslavia and Croatia, which, as you can imagine, was absolute fireworks. You can just imagine the, the political back and forth between, <laughs> between the supporters. Nowadays, unfortunately, Mihailovic is facing very different struggles as he's currently undergoing his second battle with leukemia, which at least... He seems very confident of beating for a second time. Yes, he said that Lukimi has got quite the pair of balls to be challenging him <laughs> once again and that he's confident he'll beat it quickly since he caught it earlier and um, has a great medical team with him, basically. Yeah, we wish Sinisa and his family all the best. Despite this message coming from two drunken idiots in Malta, we <laughs> genuinely hope to see him back on the touchline as soon as possible with a big, big smile on his face, some fresh kicks, obviously, and lots of love from his loyal fan base in Bologna. And thank you for the 3-0 victory over Inter. Cheers. Cheers. Rest in peace, Mihailovic. Thank you for the memories. You certainly won't be forgotten. Our thoughts also go to Gianluca Vialli as he is battling pancreatic cancer for the second time running. His family and friends apparently just visited him in a London hospital as the situation seems to be worsening since he's taken a break from his duties with the Italian national team to focus on his health. Sad news all around, a little bit of a depressing start to the episode. We apologize and we have one legend passing while the other is fighting for his life. We wish them and their families strength and good fortune and a better 2023. Now, bro, I have a little um, tale about Viali that many people don't probably okay. don't know. In 1998, at the tender age of 33, he became the first Italian manager in the Premier League with Chelsea. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He took over from Gullit and he was actually a player manager, being only Ooh. 33. He would, Manage and play. That's not very common nowadays at all. Mm -hmm. um, he won the League Cup and the Cup Winners' Cup. He ended up winning basically five trophies in less than three years at Chelsea. Um, incredible. That's he was nice. sacked five games into the 2000 season for a mediocre start to the season and a falling out with Deschamps and Zola. Oh, my God. Yeah, so that's, oh that's why his, um, his manager... And then I believe he went to Watford and then okay. he took the helm at the... Well, took the helm, not the helm, yeah. but he, he helped out with the Italian national team after that. That's a great story, man. I, I, I can't think of the last player manager who's had success. And, and an Italian man doing it in England as well is always culturally such a big thing to accomplish for the yeah. Italians, eh? Truly, bro, truly is. Yeah. But before we get into the return of Serie A, guys, we can't not address the dramatic ending to the 2022 World Cup final in Qatar, where Argentina and France ended in a 3-3 draw after an inspiring comeback by France and Kylian Mbappe, who became the first player since 1966 to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final to take the two countries to penalties. It was Leo Messi and Argentina who prevailed, winning the shootout 4-2, thanks to Emiliano Martinez. What... A final, brother. Tell us, how did you see the final, bro? So, okay. So I'm back, of course, as, as you may have noticed. Um, by the way, good job on the episode. Thank you. While I was missing, I enjoyed listening to that while driving for fucking five hours straight on long highways <laughs> that never end in South was Africa. Decent. It was amazing. It yeah. was a good episode. It was a very good episode. I enjoyed mm -hmm. um, Jamie and Theo. Thank you very much for stepping in. And Talk well done, guys. Matt, for, for getting it done. Thank you, man. Thank you. Um, for me, bro... Um, I was on a safari while the World Cup final was being played. Um, mm. I went. So obviously, we went no out, internet. No nope. internet, nothing. We Just well, there chimpanzees. Was, <laughs> we had 4G. Some had 4G, but I put my phone on airplane mode, do not disturb, everything off. Like, you know, I didn't want to get anything. And I had you send me a replay the second the match finished. Yeah. I sent Sarah a replay yeah, so, so that I, you won't be thrown because I knew that the length was going to be over yeah. 90 minutes. So that would give something away. So but I sent I got, it to Sarah. I got a bit of a spoiler, let me tell you. So I was in this Jeep. Right, mm. and it was fucking raining, bro. Mm. In the safari, we're there, you know, like there were there was a driver, there was the lookout, there were there were a couple in front of us and a couple behind us, and we're in the middle, me and Sarah, and we're driving through the jungle basically, and it's fucking raining to the point mm. that I can't even see. Oh I can't God. see anything. They're driving. There are no animals in sight, obviously, because it's fucking raining and they're all <laughs> hiding. Like <laughs> I'm in hell. I'm like, there's the final on right now, and I'm here getting drenched, wow. like. and and bro, we're we're getting. 
pelted by the rain. Mm-hmm. And bugs are flying at us, hitting our clothes. And our clothes are so wet, they're getting stuck and they're dying on oh. us. So the two people in front of me, I'm like looking at their, hood, at their hoods. And they just have bugs dead no. all over them, bro. I look down on my t-shirt at one point and I have bugs squirming no. on my t-shirt <laughs> underneath my poncho, bro. I was in fucking hell, dude. Ah. I was in hell. And I started talking to the couple behind us. They're like, ah, oh, the game, it looks like a good game. And I'm like, stop, please don't, don't say anything mm. about the game. I'm going to watch it later. And they're like, ah, oh, okay, cool. So you're going to watch a replay? I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And the fucking guy in front of us was totally oblivious to our conversation. Apparently, he just goes to his girlfriend. Ah, oh, looks like a good game. They're 2-2. Two, two. No. Like, I'm like, all right, no. whatever. So I knew, I knew that they, they would the come combat. back. Exactly. Yeah. And that kind of ruined that for me. But the extra time and the penalties, I had no idea what was going to happen, bro. And I was on the edge of my seat. What a final, possibly the best game of football I've ever seen in my life. In, 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 in my opinion, it is. And that goes for multiple reasons. And that's how we can segue basically into the happenings of this. In my opinion, not only was this the best World Cup final in history, because at least I, I doubt there was a better World Cup final than that mm. before I was born. Yes. Like, I, I remember some noteworthy ones was Italy-France and the 1-1 that ended up in penalties, so on and so forth. Um, with the Zidane headbutt, so mm. many iconic moments took place. But a comeback like that, Messi finally getting gold in his last World Cup for his country and lifting the cup himself. Mbappe scoring a hat-trick. For, the first time a player scored a hat-trick since 1966 in a World Cup yeah. final. And it's 24-year-old you know Kylian was, Mbappe. The guy who scored the other one? I forgot his name. He's an Englishman against Germany. 1966, Joff Hurst. Joff Hurst. Jeff, Jeff Hurst, I believe. Okay. Jeff, not Joff. Jeff um, yeah, that was the the last time that um, mm. England won the trophy, right? Exactly. So I hope Jamie and Theo are listening to this because let me tell you something. Had I been on that episode, it would have gone a little bit differently. I'm going to come to the England love, but let's... I don't think there was too much England oh, love. Oh, I can tell you, brother, there was England love. There was too much, bro, for me. Really? Yes, man. Okay. Noted. I mean, you had two England fans. I feel, I feel like you had two... You have to let them have it a bit, bro. Yeah, you, you know. Like, I mean, bro, I, don't kick, don't kick your brothers when they're down. You know, <laughs> you should have seen their faces when Harry Sky the penalty, brothers. No, they're shirtless with their arms around each <laughs> oh other, man. God. It was nuts. We were, we were drinking Moscow mules from like three p.m., man. No, it was. It was wild. In fact, I'd like to apologize for how drunk I was on that episode. Yeah, I, think I could <laughs> tell from the second it started. Like, hello and welcome. I'm like, oh my God, Matthew's fucking shit for this one. They're not going to make it. Like, But yes, to me, this must have been the stage that it was on with all the, the storylines, with the comeback, with the back and forth between the teams. To me, the best Football game ever played in history. Just legitimate football game. I'm sure mm-hmm. we've had some great football games in the tennis courts at St. <laughs> Martin's as well, but nothing to compare with that. It's it's such a shame, of course, the the controversy surrounding the mm-hmm. the World Cup that took place. Um, we're not going to get into it, you know. Of course, we always yeah we've talked about this a million times. And mm-hmm. basically, this World Cup was played over the corpses of dead migrant workers, yeah. essentially. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Terrible, terrible fee for a corrupt institution. It's fucking horrible. Infantino's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when it comes to the football that was actually played, it was a, it was a spectacle. And we're talking about like early upsets. You yeah. know, we had the Japan, Saudi, Morocco, you know, all these mm-hmm. guys with mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. beating the likes of Argentina, Germany, yeah. um, Spain, Portugal. Crazy, mm-hmm. crazy, and crazy, crazy. Robert Lewandowski made, made a very good point. He said that there was so much quality in the World Cup. He reckons it's because it happened midway through a season and everyone was in ah, full fitness in their form. Everyone was super sharp. And he said... When you watch any match that's played over 120 minutes, it is never the case that you see the quality go up mm-hmm. towards the end of the game. But the players were so fit, even the five-sub thing kind of helps as well, that, that they were sharp after the 90th minute. They were mm-hmm. incredibly, incredibly sharp. That's not to mention all the additional minutes that were played. We're talking eight minutes yeah, at the yeah. time, at halftime, 10 minutes in the, at, at the 90th to make it a 100-minute a, yeah. a game, a 110-minute game. So yeah, it's a it's a good point by Lewandowski. But Very good Argentina point. ended up winning. Were the winners to me a solid yes. solid mentality throughout? And we had them as our winners we from, did. from day one. If you want we to go did. back two episodes, like when mm-hmm. the World Cup had just started, they had just lost to Saudi Arabia. We had them as our winners. Yeah. 
So yeah, we stayed you, heard, you heard it here first. Baby. Exactly. And obviously, we're happy with the amount of Serie A players that are that are in that team and former Serie A players yeah. as well. Um, there was Lautaro, Di Maria, Paredes, and Dybala in the not, well, not in the starting lineup. Lautaro squad, yeah. had a bit of a shocker. Lautaro the is the 2022 version of Gonzalo Higuain. Literally, comes to this literally, bravo. It's Messi trying to set them up and him just missing everything and panicking. I under, can't under believe pressure. As Milan fans, we're so terrified of Lukaku and Lautaro. They they just put them on the world stage and they seem to be two of the worst strikers yeah. in the fucking competition, man. Man, they did not have a good showing up. No. Of course, it's always different. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're in their comfort zone there. Exactly. Di Maria, the Juventus winger, scored in the World Cup final after he seemed to be playing in rotation a little bit, probably because of his fitness as mm-hmm. well. But you put this guy on the biggest stage, you put him in a final. This is the, the third final he scored in, in a row, brother. Yeah. And he role. knew, he knew, he texted his wife before the game, he told her, honey, I'm going to score in the in the World Cup final and we're going to be the champions. He's like, it's my destiny, it's written mm. in the stars. Like, yeah. It's crazy, the confidence. And he did it, man, three three finals in a row, scoring in three finals in a row. That's that's absolute mayhem. He crazy. is a big game player yeah. by definition. And that's not to mention in the Champions League final in 2013 with Real against Atletico after, in, in additional time, he's skipping past players, hitting the post, like, and... He got man of the match in that in that final as well, and he got an assist. Such a smart player, man. Yeah, real joy to watch. Paredes was coming on for Argentina late on in games, kind of to add some solidity to the midfield and kind of make the, their game a bit more defensive. He was a bit hit or miss, like he gave away that free kick that Holland equalized from, for example. He caused that stir on the touchline with Holland as well, oh, that riled yes. them up to get oh, back into God. the game. Um, he had a so good World Cup. He had solid yeah. performances. He scored his penalty. He scored his penalty, which is uh, like for people who people were making claim about Dybala. Um, I saw some Lazio fans saying that ah, Dybala celebrating with trophy, he did fucking nothing. The guy stepped up in a World Cup final. His only task was score this penalty and he scored that penalty. Sent it down yeah, the middle, sent the keeper the right way. Do it. The whole world is watching. That's exactly. no easy thing to it's do. It's huh? not fucking easy at all. That that was his destiny for the final. Yeah. He did that. Former players was Papu Gomez. Who Papu got, the money machine. The money machine. That video yeah. is... We just posted on TikTok. Um, on the bus, you know, the Argentina players celebrating the World Cup victory. Of course, there's a Martinez, the goalkeeper, holding a baby with Mbappe's face on it. <laughs> and in the meantime, there's, there's Papu Gomez, who's just... He's wearing like a, an open shirt and these he looks flashy like, sunglasses. He, he looks, looks like, like Conor McGregor, yeah, bro. He looks like he's just wearing Gucci. I don't know what the brand was, but he looks like he's wearing Gucci. He grabs a wad of cash and he just... Throws it into the crowd and below him. How like, good, man. Yeah. How good. There was Molina as well. Um, we all remember him from his Udinese days. Yeah. He was fantastic at Udinese. He had a fantastic tournament. One of the best right backs in the competition. You see the, his his work rate, his the way he contributes going forward. That's the way he contributes defensively as well. He's a very all-round right wing back. And I think Argentina have a slot over there and he has to take it, man. Yeah, I mean, we saw what he could do back in his Udinese days and it's nice to see that he's carried it on onto the biggest stage in the world and he has a trophy to show for it. His former teammate, Rodrigo De Paul, was yes, also sir. there and had a fantastic tournament. He's been nicknamed Messi's bodyguard mm. and to be honest, he seems to have embraced the role wholeheartedly. He's always by his side. He always seems to be pushing anyone who gets too close to Messi, apart from Salt Bay, of course. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, De Paul, even though Messi is the guy that they respect in the team. He's the captain. He's the guy everyone looks up to. The Paul still strikes me as a bit of a father figure to this team. It seems like if anyone steps on someone's toes, he's going to be the first mm-hmm. one in the middle of that scuffle. He's a real leader, man. Um, he knows his place. That's the beauty of it. He's not trying to be flashy. Like, for example, with Udinese, they very much played around him and he was the guy yeah, and, and he would key. pull shit off. But he, he understands his duties. There's no need to go over the top. He was fucking Brilliant. solid in that Brilliant. midfield, man. Very solid. There was also Petzella. German Petzella, <laughs> currently at Real Betis, the former Fiorentina man. You know, he would come on and defend. Exactly. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well done, Petzella. But yeah, that's that's... Argentina's yeah. list, obviously, for France, there, there was uh, Giroud, Theo, Rabiot on the starting 11. Manian didn't make it because of injury. Safe to say, yeah. man, Manian would have started. Yeah. Hugo Lloris. He had a good, he had a good um, World Cup and he's quite a decorated goalkeeper. I believe he has the most caps for the French national team. That could be. Um, 
I think there are way better goalkeepers out. It doesn't mean he didn't have a, a yeah. good competition, but I think sometimes his decision-making when he has the ball at his feet and when the ball is a little bit in no man's land, he struggles when it comes yeah. to committing to one decision. And oftentimes you see that his decision isn't made with full precision and full enthusiasm because he's caught between two minds. Mm -hmm. um, that probably comes as a result of playing with a team like Tottenham Hotspur, who one day are one of the best teams in England, another day one of the worst teams in England. So his form is kind yeah. of up and down and up and down and up and down. But I would have loved seeing Manian over there, man. I think they would have been an even stronger team. And having Giroud up top for him to ping those balls like they do with Milan yeah, and then lay yeah, it down yeah. to Teo or Mbappe on the wing. It would have been nice. It would have been nice. And don't worry, we'll be seeing plenty of money on in the future as long as he can stay healthy. Um, quite possibly the most injury-prone goalkeeper I can yeah. remember. And and only since joining Milan, by the way. His history is quite clean before that. Mm -hmm. Classic Milanello training ground problem. <laughs> Literally. Now, um, I also want to highlight, bro, that that's... That goalkeeper of Argentina, what do they Madonna. call him? Debu Martinez? What the fuck do they call him? Debu Martinez. Debu, Debu Martinez. His name is Emiliano. Yeah, what Emiliano. Debu Martinez. Um, for you, in your opinion, uh -huh. his antics, were they disgraceful? Or was it just, you know, a guy playing his, his role, playing to his strengths? No, I, I, I don't think they're offensive. It's, it's a guy playing to his strengths. It's, it's part of any sport is mind games. As long as you're facing an individual, they do it in chess as well. Mm. They do it in poker as well. They do it in all these yeah, games. Yeah. It's um, shit talk. Yes. He, at least from what I've heard and what I've seen, it was never uncalled for shithousery to the point that he was talking about their, their moms, their dads, mm -hmm. their family. Well, we have no idea what he's whispering. In the yeah, I have, I have no idea. But, but from, from what I've seen, it was harmless mm -hmm. shithousery. As a goalkeeper, you constantly have... People say that the guy taking the penalty has the upper hand mm -hmm. because it's easier to score a penalty than it is to save a penalty. That, that's what is said. However, the lack of pressure on a goalkeeper um, plays into the favor of the goalkeeper okay. a lot. And part of his job is just making the lives of the penalty kick taker as, as hard, hard as possible, as possible yeah. man. And that, that's exactly what he was doing. And they won because of that. Look, I, I love to see it, quite frankly, as well. Um, mm -hmm. You have in every story, you know, you put on put on your TV right now, flick, flick on a film. You'll have a hero and you'll have a villain, right? Exactly. You have good guys, you have bad guys. There's the story of when Pato joined Milan. He mm. walked into the, the dressing room and he found Ronaldo there, like, you know, fucking seven kilos overweight, sat there. <laughs> Probably a beer in one hand, the Rothman's red in the other. <laughs> His locker open, you know. And... He um, he pointed at Kaka and he said, there, you have two options over here, young one. He said, you can either go join him, you know, mm. and Kaka's there with his glasses, you know, probably holding a Bible. <laughs> Definitely. And then he points, he points at his locker and he's like, or you can join me. And there's a picture of a naked woman <laughs> on, his, on his locker. And it's true. Those are the characters you have in Literally. the game, right? And, mm. and it would be boring if everyone was an NPC, if everyone was boring, you mm -hmm. know, if everyone was standard professional. You know, I, I love that this guy... Chats shit. I love that this guy wins. He he has the most prestigious moment in his entire life. This guy. He's been given the golden glove, right? Yeah. yeah. Hand handed to him. He might never win anything more prestigious than this in his fucking life. What does he do? He puts it down to his crunch and aims it at the French players. Right? <laughs> Honestly, how can you not love that? I can't, I can't get enough of it personally. You have to, man. You you, you have to love. It. I think football needs more villains yeah. so far as there there isn't the side of discrimination and offending people then, I, then yeah. i'm happy with that with that level of of shithousery shit that emiliano man. brought to the table and i would love to see him in Serie A, man and guess what it's possible his agent gustavo doni told tutto mercato web that there are a few clubs who could afford a goalkeeper like him um, and he said Serie A, why not um personally because he also said he wants to play in the Champions League, right? Yes. I don't see any team in the top four in Italy that do need a goalkeeper desperately. Like, like for example, okay, Inter have just signed Onana, right? Mm -hmm. Milan have money on, well, most sometimes. Um, <laughs> Juve have Chesney, who's uh -huh. still a top goalkeeper. Maybe Napoli, man. Napoli have Meret, who's developing quite nicely. But I don't know, if they have a chance to get maybe Martinez... For a good on a good deal might be good, but I can't see De Laurentiis spending a substantial fee on a goalkeeper. Now they were rumored to be in for Kaylor Navas a yeah. couple of times, and and I don't think that's dead yet. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think they're still exploring it. 
However, if, if within the same wage bracket, and I don't think there'd be much of a discrepancy over there, they could go for Emiliano Martinez, who's getting all right Premier League wages, but Aston Villa wages. Yeah. So they could coop something it's nice. It's the fee, I think, man. When you, he's a World Cup winner now. You yeah. know, they can easily slap a ridiculous fee on him. That's and true. a Premier League team is more likely to pay it than, than an Italian team. But we'll see. Uh-huh. We'll see about that. It, it's interesting, man. It, it's very interesting. I think he slots in very well at Napoli. I think Inter as well. I think Onana is a good goalkeeper. I think it ends there. I don't think he's a spectacular mm. keeper by all by all means. Yeah, we now have as well. he's young. this celebrity keeper in the game. He's at the moment the biggest goalkeeper in the world. So definitely someone will try yeah. snap him up. He's just taken that trophy off of Donnarumma after the Euros, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah man, that's that's crazy. Um, who was the best Serie A player in the tournament for you, my brother? For me, it was Amrabat, without, okay. without a doubt. I think taking into consideration the level of the team and where he took them. Now, it obviously, it wasn't only him. He yeah. was surrounded by players that, that played very close to his level. But he was the heartbeat of yes. that team. He had 120 minutes in him every game. And he didn't stop. It's like watching him at Fiorentina, man. Definitely yes. Amrabat for me. Unfortunately for our listeners, I agree with you. Um, <laughs> Amrabat for me had an incredible World Cup. It was what we expected to see mm. from him and more, quite frankly. Um, he has been this player since his Verona days. Um, he had a bit of a rough start at Fiorentina, but he settled in nicely and has been this dominant player all season, pinging the ball from midfield, running it down, tackling, breaking down play, keeping play moving. He is tireless. He's a rabid dog. He's an animal. And I'm so happy that the world got to see it. I'm so happy that Fiorentina will be, you know, making money from yeah. him. But it'll be sad to see him leave the league. That's it. Because he will leave the, he league. Will leave the league. I yeah. so see him going to like a Liverpool or a yeah. United yeah. or Liverpool or, or, or something would, like that. Which suit him perfectly. Yeah. But, but they're also really looking at Jude Bellingham. And he's mm. quite expensive. And his wages are going to be very high. So reshuffling their midfield like that. Ah, but Hendo's glue way. Yeah. Um, We'll see. We'll see what happens with him. Some honourable mentions, obviously, Giroud. Yep. He scored four goals in six matches and he's now France's leading all-time top scorer ever in history. That's Giroud for you. There was Theo Hernandez who got, I believe, uh, was it... A goal and two assists. A goal and two assists yeah. in, in four or five games because Something before him, his brother was starting, Lu- yeah. Lucas Hernandez on the wing. and oh, Sorry, on the left wing back roll. He was super. He was super. I think he gave that, away a few penalties. He was a bit clumsy. Um, that that push yeah. that that thankfully Kane skied the penalty. Kane actually saved his career. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean that. Yeah, point. That was an interesting point you made. At first, I was like, "How ridiculous, Matthew is!" Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like saying, "How scored it? Yeah, his... He scored his value with plummet." Now, in technically, no, right? Because a club knows the value of a player, not simply because of an isolated moment, mm-hmm. but. But, but, but negative media exactly. might have an effect on the player's confidence and it might actually have an exactly. effect on the long run. So, yes, you had a point there. Thank you. Thank you very yeah. much. So, fuck you, Theo. <laughs> <laughs> no, Theo Hernandez was brilliant. I still think that uh, he... Theo Abayer, not Theo yes, Hernandez. Yes, yes, I the know. The previous <laughs> guest, by the way, for those wondering why did he just say fuck you up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to me, Theo Hernandez, having Mbappe ahead of him um, made him be a bit more... Not, not only it being Mbappe, because even having a, a guy like Leao in front of you, you think that would make you a bit more defensive. But Leao cuts in, holds the ball, and Theo does the overlap. I don't think that France prepared for having Theo as a left back. So yeah. they weren't playing fully to Theo's strength. Sometimes Mbappe running into the middle of the box, allowing space down the flank for Theo, who could then ping in across for him, w- would have been a nice kind of trick to have up their sleeves. But they... Didn't incorporate him fully yet. Probably this this World Cup paid as a lesson for that. But uh, he still had a very good World Cup. And remember that Theo is quite a, quite young. Still, what is he? 20, 24, 24, 24 years old. I think, yes, I think he's literally he's my age. 24, which is very young. You know, granted his strength, his main strength is his um, his speed, which mm-hmm. might decrease with years. But he has plenty of time. And 25 years old. Yeah, you know? he's my He's age. got five years of playing at this level for sure. He's going to improve. Easily. Easily yeah. at 33 with the, with the shape that this guy is in and mm-hmm. his attitude, his mentality as well. Yeah. It, it, and you can tell that he'll, he'll kind of evolve into one of those streetwise players. It's already happening. You know, he mm-hmm. wins fouls, man. He, he, even the way he like 
shrugs off players as the ball is mm. rolling out. You know, he's, he's a very smart player. Yeah, and being in Serie A for as many years as he has been now, and hopefully for more, his tactical awareness is only going to get yeah. better and better. We're talking about him being very disciplined when it comes to offside traps, his mm. positioning, um, covering for his Even teammates. His tackling has his, improved. His tackling is, is mm. incredible. His tackling is incredible. Um, Chesney Chesney had a had super, a super World, World Cup. Cup There's only so much He could have done for Poland He's He saved uh, Messi's mm-hmm. penalty um, He's saved two penalties Actually um, But there's only so much He could do man There's only so much You can do When when you have Kamel Glick Playing in front of you You know Just exhausted <laughs> Playing in save For Benevento This guy You know um, No no But Chesney had a fantastic um, Tournament He is A great Shit houser as well, exactly. quite frankly. He he's basically like the the diluted version of Emiliano Martinez. Martinez. Yeah, yeah, a bit of a budget Emiliano yeah. Martinez. But yeah, he was also very great, Super. and that's not only from, from the penalty spot. He, he's he's a great all-round goalkeeper. He's in fine form mm-hmm. at the moment. Brozovic had a good World Cup as well for Croatia. Yeah. Underrated, obviously, he's always under the radar. He's just linking up play between the defense and the midfield. He did a fantastic job at that. In the beginning of the World Cup, there was a beautiful nil-nil draw. Everyone called it boring. A beautiful, to me, nil-nil draw between Morocco and Croatia. Mm. It was just Amrabad versus Brozovic. Two registers. And I was just loving it. Everyone's like, this is so boring. I'm like, but look at the registers. Look at the the individual (laughs) battles. The one we want, man. That's crazy fun. Uh, It was beautiful Speaking of a guy Speaking of the World Cup On the topic of the World Cup And legends of the World Cup And good performers Someone who performs brilliantly Every World Cup But we only get to see him Once every four years Is Ochoa Right? Yes Uh, Mexico's legendary goalkeeper Who disappears I don't even know who he plays with He Um, he played in Spain for like Malaga I know Um, Not too much more than that man Okay Um, Yeah he, He would just destroy every World Cup, right? Yeah. Amazing, pull amazing saves left, right, and center. He's brilliant, like a right? god yeah. at the World Cup. He is off to Salernitana. Yes. Actually. He's having his medical yes. today. Um, that is fantastic news. Uh, it must be good for Sepe as well, you know, fuck it. Because typically when you bring in a goalkeeper, it's awful news for, for the starting goalkeeper, yeah. right? But yeah. Sepe is young enough to for, for this to be good for him. Exactly. You know, you know and I mean? Sepe is injured, which is the reason they brought him in. Mm. And and you bring in a goalkeeper that's 37 or 38 years old, something like that. Um, it can't go wrong. Yeah. Because it, it's the same thing as signing Zlatan. So either they're going to keep it up, they're going to roll the years back, and they're going to be phenomenal. And they're mm. going to stay in that starting, in that, in that starting role. Or else, they become a coach. They become Mm, a motivator. Someone to learn from example. Now, does Ochoa have what it takes to become a mentor? Because his skill is very... um, He's a fantastic shot stopper. His instinct is incredible. And that's sometimes something you can't teach. He is a leader as well. Yes, but he can teach how to um, calm yourself on the world stage and how to be the best you can be in front Mm. of so many fans and when shit's not going your way, so on and so forth. But it's going to be interesting to see how it affects Sepe. And if he'll stay as the number one choice, man. Morgan De Sanchez, uh, the sporting director of Salernitana, pulling the strings yet again, right? I mm. love that they can bring in these, these yeah. players. They have some decent very pull power. Cool. And, and they got him, um, his, his salary was around 4 million a year and they brought him down um, to Salernitana. It's, it's still undisclosed. We don't know how much he's earning, but the top earner at Salernitana makes just a bit more than 1 million a year. So it's like 1.2, 1.3. So he's probably somewhere in that region, no? I would yeah, guess. probably. Massive pay cut. P- possibly less. Yes, massive, massive pay, pay cut, cut, but he's playing at the top level, right? And exactly. he's a starter in Serie A for a team that's mid-table. Which exactly. Is decent, yeah. He should have gone, in my opinion, to Monza. Ooh. Because... I know they have Cranio, I know they have Di Gregorio, but you know they also have what, bro? a bus of prostitutes yes, sir. heading to their locker room <laughs> every time they win a game. No? No, no it's if, if they beat a top Milan team like Juventus. Milan or Juventus, Berlusconi <laughs> promised them, and there's a video of this online. It's it's almost like a parody, like, like, like a farce, you know? Like, I can't believe that this man, first of all, was the, the president and prime minister of Italy, whatever yes. the fuck he was. Um, of Milan <laughs> Milan, yes And uh, now he's just here He has a room full of people In front of him A room full of millionaires In front of him And executives And journalists And cameras mm. And he comes up And he says something As ridiculous as If you guys Give us a beautiful victory Against Milan or Juventus You have a bus full of prostitutes Waiting for and, you And it's not like he a said A Pullman Detroit uh, uh, Bro, bro He said Just like um, 
like in English, the word we're using we're using the word prostitutes, which is technically they're sex yeah. workers. Yeah. It's what we're saying is politically incorrect, and and I apologize and whatever. But <laughs> he said it. He said it in the worst possible way. He he would have said you know the word that we're not saying yeah. right now. The incredibly fucking demeaning Whore. one. That's the word. Well yes. done. Don't Thank think you. listeners got the hint at all. But yes, <laughs> naturally Berlusconi is going through it at the moment but it's nothing he's not used to he probably this is the tiniest of of things for him no um i mean yes he, he's he said way worse like this is yeah. this is nothing for, he's uh, done for, for much Silvio. much much yeah, worse but, but yeah that's berlusconi for you i'm, yeah, no, I'm, what, I'm what a character yeah man. but i'm glad that show was off to salernitana not monza monza have a, an entire roster of goalkeepers that they're utilizing anyway crown is probably out because um, of course they keep playing Di Gregorio and um, Cranio's career is kind of stalling right now. So exactly. he's probably leaving. At 27 or 28 years old, yeah. he needs to be fucking playing football, exactly. man. The technology that was used at the World Cup of 2022 is going to be adopted by the Italian Football League. This is the offside technology um, with the dedicated broadcast cameras around the stadium to give the exact position of the players on the pitch to the referee. And offering, you know, information within seconds, basically. What what do you think of this? I think it's great that they're implementing this in this area because, um, of course, we saw a few. We've had a few situations mm-hmm. where where teams were done very unjustly. Uh-huh. For example, Juventus with the Candreva offside situation against Salernitana, where Candreva mm-hmm. was stood. Uh, by the corner flag, keeping everyone on side, and um, somehow the VAR team didn't pick that up. Uh-huh. Um, so it's great that this is going to be implemented. Uh, why not? I'm all for technology when it comes to offsides because this is something that is objective. It's not subjective. You know, the referee's opinion does not matter in an offside call. Um, it's black and white. Mm-hmm. So it's good that they've uh-huh. implemented this. It is going to add to the amount of harsh calls. Um, but at least those harsh calls, we're talking fragments and, and millimeters, at least it's going to be consistently the same decision. No yeah. matter how harsh it is, it's going to be called. The arms don't count, the shoulder doesn't count, this and that. But at least we're going to be seeing that um, uh, consistency. There's also talks about the added time system, the additional time system, where basically it was the stop clock mm-hmm. that was being used throughout the game. Every time there is, you know, um, a throw-in, every time there is a scuffle, every time there is this and that, Time is effectively added on and the exact amount of seconds is added on to that additional time. And that makes us save more football, basically. And we see each half is 45 minutes of the ball in play. And that's what football should be. Currently, I believe I remember reading the the documents on the website and there are about like 42 minutes of play. Exactly. 30, sometimes 30 something, 38 minutes of play in an mm-hmm. entire football game in, in Serie A. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of stoppages. So that could be interesting. It could also end up being a bit frustrating. Huh? So many long games, you know, like imagine you have, you have to play on Wednesday and then you have to play on Saturday, you know, and then you're yeah, yes. playing uh-huh. that amount of time. The whole, the whole thing that they're doing to make football... Um, you know, more exciting for fans. They, they, they keep on adding to the length of the game and they keep on adding to fixtures that mm-hmm. the players need to play. So as much as it's glamorous to be a footballer and they're earning so much money and doing so and they're doing what they love, you have to feel for the amount of pressure that's been added to them, the amount of games that they're playing. Mm-hmm. They should have just had a break. Premier League players are playing in four days' time. Yeah, man. Players like McAllister, who just won the World Cup, like he's been fucking drunk for three days. You know what I mean? I need to go back to Brighton yeah. and play a number of fixtures in a row, man. And the players that, that play Champions League football as well. Nah, it's, it's I mean, we crazy saw we saw Pedri of Barcelona play for like three years non-stop, no week in, week out. He looked, ex- he looked 50 by the end yeah, of the Yeah, but he's had game. a nice break, no? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to Morocco. Yeah. Uh, should we delve into a little bit, you know, about Juve's situation? Because it seems like Everyone's forgetting about it. And today or yesterday, Chiellini was oh, was yes. questioned and, and he Indeed. gave away a myriad of information, basically. <laughs> he was the middleman between Agnelli and the board of directors and the players. Yeah. So he was the messenger. He was telling them, look, guys, you're going to be paid this amount. We're going to, mm-hmm. This is going to say 
four months, but it's not going to be four months, it's going to be one, maybe two. And then apparently there were um, solo negotiations between certain players and the management. So if it was Ronaldo and if it was Chesney, that'd be two different sets of negotiations. It's not the same pie for everyone, basically. Um, But it's interesting, man. It's it's escalating. It seems like with the involvement Chiellini had, he's going to be in a world of trouble as well. And it seems like, man, it doesn't look good for the players. It doesn't look good for the club. Do you think... That they get fucking relegated, man. Um, no, I don't think they get relegated. I don't think they'll get relegated at all. I think that the players will be fined. I think the management has already left. They will be charged criminally, maybe mm-hmm. fined, maybe I don't know what else they can do. Maybe arrested, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think there will be maybe a points deduction at most. That's the worst case scenario. I don't think they'll be relegated though. Um Kellini was was questioned, as you said, by the. <laughs> he was speaking to the Turin Public Prosecutor's Office, mm-hmm. right? Um, at first, he was quite standoffish. He took a bit of a, you know, he's playing it safe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I, I don't recall right now. And they were like, you know, you need to be honest, um, Giorgio. Um, you're under oath. This is very serious right now. And it started, you know, he started escalating a little bit more. He's like, you know. And when the pandemic broke out, it was a bit of a difficult situation economically. I was asked to go between the rest of the group and meet the extraordinary moment that had been created. That's how he worded it. Um, Then he said, in March, I started talking to my teammates to understand their willingness to meet the problems that existed in the club, solving problems above all because the liquid income was lacking. Mm. And then basically he went on to admit, yes, that he was the... You know, that actually happened. It was the middleman. They they were still paid under the table, tax free, and that's fraud, mm-hmm. right? So we'll see how this develops. It's definitely interesting to keep an eye on. Uh, and uh, you mentioned that in the beginning he wasn't giving away too much, yeah. um, but but the guys he's dealing with, he has no idea. They're fucking professionals, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Did you sign anything yeah. uh, for this role? You kind of took." And he's like, "No." He's like, "I don't remember signing anything." And then they're like, "You're sure?" And he's like. I might have signed something, but I don't know where it is. And they're like, is it this, Giorgio? <laughs> Just whoop it up. Whoop it up. <laughs> He's like, fuck. <laughs> but yeah, they just want to answer my own I, question. I know, remember. <laughs> answer my own question about relegation. I think there's a world where it happens. I think there there is. Um, I think it's being considered. I think it's on the table. Bear in mind the point deduction in 06 took them to relegation last time. And if it's not that, it would be serious financial interventions that would lead to mm-hmm. them not being able to play to pay players like Chiesa, Vlaovic, Di Maria, Pogba, Szczesny, Bremer, all these fucking tanks in their team. They're, they're not going to afford them if there's certain financial yeah, interventions. And, and this could be a decline for yet another four or five years for Juve. Let's see, man. Um, they have had, I think, the worst year for for any club in the league, yeah. any club in Europe, probably. Man. I, I don't think there have been teams Definitely. that have had a worse year than, than Juventus mm-hmm. when it comes to these, this kind of situation. And they had just picked it up before the World Cup break. They were one of the only yeah. teams that, that this World Cup um, didn't favor, the, the break didn't favor them because they were carrying yeah, such momentum. good momentum. Um, which they carried out into the friendlies by the way bro they they played the friendly against Arsenal who are top of the Premier mm. League right now they had one shot on target and won the game 2-0 and they had hilarious. like th- 30% ball possession or something that's oh, fucking hilarious it's man classic this is the thing right An- Allegri genius or a terrorist who knows man who knows yeah. we don't know here okay mm-hmm. a genius terrorist let us know what you think <laughs> exactly um, there are obviously Juve as well. They had that whole situation with the overspending controversy that mm-hmm. came months before this situation. So what goes around comes around, I guess. They also have the top five most expensive transfers in Serie A history. They spent 101 million on Cristiano Ronaldo. They spent 77 million on Gonzalo Higuain. They spent 73.9 million on Matias Delict. They spent 70.5 million on Dusan Plavic and 65 million on Artur Melo. <laughs> Now, what did they win with these players? They won one Scudetto with Ronaldo. They won a Scudetto with Higuain. No, the, the Higuain signing was, was phenomenal. Yes, yes. But other, other than that, brother, I mean, okay, Vlaovic just signed and he could do great things mm-hmm. unless they there's a significant decrease. Arthur was a shit signing. Mm-hmm. Delict was a shit signing. And Ronaldo, I mean, sure, they got shirt sales. Yeah, but it was a bit of a... 
a flop because COVID happened, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. It, it became unsustainable. They wouldn't be in this situation had they not. They, it was a goal though for Anieli on the board to sign to sign a player of that caliber. They had said, I believe, three years prior to that that they wanted to they have a project uh-huh. in mind and they want to sign a big player uh-huh. long term. Uh, so it was like a bucket list thing almost. For yeah, them. yeah. <laughs> they're interested in Karsdorp now, apparently, yeah. but Ajax are beating them yeah. <laughs> to Karsdorp. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, th- I can I can see Rick Karsdorp at Juventus, to be honest. I could, I guess, down that right. I mean, they're quite thin yeah. there. They have Quadrado, but he's aging and he's mm. getting worse. And then they nowadays. have Decilio, who's, you know, I mean, mm. Karsdorp might be a better fit. And Karsdorp on the right, Kostich on the left could be deadly. Ah, it could be. It could be. Yeah. Um, you were also linked to Mil- Milan's Massara, the director, um, Maldini's right-hand man. But of course, that probably is just bogus news because if you're going to hire someone, a director, you're going to hire the the head, you know, the sporting director, the main guy, and then he'll pick his stuff, right? You yeah. don't just pick an executive. Like, exactly. You just throw in a director and then pick the head afterwards. It doesn't make any sense. Like Exactly. But yeah, there's just news, you know, slow uh-huh. news days. There's the, the whole days, yeah. uh, Del Piero rumor as well. We'll see what happens with that. I haven't oh, yes. heard any updates since it's gone quite quiet, but he could be a, a contender. Bro, by the way, mm-hmm. have you heard of Francesco Camarda? You mean the guy I'm going to be hopelessly in love with by the time I'm 30? <laughs> Hopefully. Yes, I have heard of him. He is the 14-year-old Milan youth team striker. At youth level, he scored 485 goals in 89 youth level matches. That's crazy. I've never has... done that on career mode. Like. Yeah, I've never. never done that. I could play against children. I wonder. <laughs> now, this 14-year-old boy has been promoted to the Primavera, where he's playing with essentially 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, you know. Mm-hmm. And on his debut, he scored two goals. That's crazy. So, so this guy can be serious. I just hope that there isn't a lot of pressure on him from the media. There's already his face on like Instagram and yeah. Facebook. TikTok, must whatever. Vibes. Yeah. Must vibes, literally. Like, I hate when you get a fucking 14-year-old kid and you're putting his face everywhere and yeah. dad, piling all this pressure on uh-huh. him. It's unnecessary. Let him develop in peace. Hopefully, he keeps it up. We have seen players with crazy records with the Primavera. Cutrone had a crazy record with the Milan yeah. Primavera. Yeah. Didn't quite live up to it. Um, or hasn't quite lived up to it. Just mm-hmm. a little bit of time for Cutrone. Um, Colombo had a mental record. He was scoring every 30 minutes with the Primavera as well. <laughs> he still looks great. He, he is developing nicely, but he had less pressure. Uh-huh. He didn't have, you know, this guy, you can exactly. tell it's sensationalist news, right? Um, people are going to be talking about this yeah. guy a lot. Yeah, and and what's, what's interesting, the thing that scares me the most about that is at the age he's at right now, 14 years old, no? Mm-hmm. Um, Playing for the under 19, so essentially playing with a bunch of 20, 21 year olds. This is, and I don't blame him for putting, I don't blame them for putting him on that stage because these are his key years for development. The 14 to 18 mark that that turns you from being a good player and being a professional footballer. These are the ages where you make that happen essentially. So he needs to up it to that level. For the muscle memory, for his instincts, for his intelligence, so on and so forth. He needs to be playing over there. Mm-hmm. Now, this can go three ways. The media can get to him. Um, he can become hot-headed, blah, 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 and he ruins his career. Because we know what the media is like Like his nowadays. ego will inflate. Exactly. On the other hand, he could live up to it and he can become a Holland <laughs> of okay. sorts or a Vlaovic of sorts, for example. Um, or else, on, on the other hand, because he is playing at that level... Um, and he's still so young, there could be significant injuries in the time that is most crucial for a player to play games mm-hmm. and, and to learn the game. Um, like imagine he tears his ACL now. That is, let's say he has one year out now. It's way more crucial having a year out when you're 15, 16 to when you're 27 yeah, and you would have played for a while. So we really need this guy to develop. I pray that they look after him. They give him a break when a break is necessary. I yeah. hope that they don't depend on him so much. And it seems difficult considering he's scoring so many goals. And they played, they played against an adult team, by the way. The Primavera side of Milan played against um, Sol Biatese. Mm-hmm. There's a club that plays in Eccellenza, which is the fifth division of the Italian football pyramid. Okay. Now, this is a team of adults. There were 30-year-olds playing in this game, and he scored two goals. That's a joke, man. What the fuck? That's an absolute joke. I hope... Uh-huh. Look, Milan have Giroud right now, but before that, you know, okay, Ibra gave Milan a good six months, a good year upon his return to Milan. 
But Milan have struggled for a starting striker, for a solid starting striker for a while before that. There was the Quatron age, the Bacca age, the Menes age, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. It would be good to kind of have someone come up through the ranks and even play at least 25 at Milan, 26 at Milan. And just have that guy that you can rely on week in, week out. Someone that a, a, a tonali mentality up front would be delicious. It would be. I mean, there was Coutron, you know, with the with that kind of mentality, but it proved to be a little bit lacking. Like it wasn't. He's yeah. not the most modern striker in the world. Mm. Um, I thought Piontek was that guy, to be honest hey, with you, bro. Thought, when Piontek came in, I'm like, oh, we're sorted for ten years. Hey, man, he was turning Koulibaly inside out, scoring doppiettas against Napoli, and in superb fashion. But I had that. That didn't last very long, did it? No, he faded out, and unfortunately, Milan didn't give him time. Um, and you know he, the curse of the nine. Of course, he took the number nine. He said he doesn't believe in the curse, and he stopped scoring. Exactly. <laughs> he just made it more but, yeah. more obvious. Um, those are yeah. That, that's pretty much it, guys. We we're out of talking points. We've covered everything that we wanted to cover this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, January the fourth can't come any sooner. I can't wait for Serie A to continue. I am oh, tired. I am tired of international football now. Honestly, it was a fantastic World Cup, but give me Serie A now. I need yeah, it. I was very pleased with. How the World Cup turned out. I, I always say when when international tournaments come about, and this is probably from us seeing so many insignificant ones like the mm-hmm. Nations League, yeah. all of these international friendlies. It almost took away from what the World Cup is. But now that it came about, it's a very joyous reminder of what the competition was. But happy to move back into where we left off. And man, I'm almost green in in what has happened this this season because it feels like it's been so much time. Um. Are Napoli still going to be that good? Are Milan going to be worthy? Are Inter going to bounce back? What's going to happen with Juve? Man, I have no idea. The the one thing I'm sure that's going to happen is that, say, a spotlight slips is going to be a disaster. Oh, man. Because we have no idea the form of these teams. What we can pretty much guarantee is the players who had fewer guys at the World Cup Mm. Will surprise us. For example, Monza. The teams that had fewer. Yeah, sorry, uh-huh. the teams. Yes, that's what I meant. Um, Monza, Empoli, those guys. Sassuolo as well have been kind of there as well. These guys have been training together this yeah. entire time. Like they're they're gonna be strong, you know. And then you have teams like Juventus, who had so many guys at the World Cup mm-hmm. to the end and going on holiday. Milan, Inter, Milan. And, uh, yeah. Napoli fucking had their two best guys at at home. Yeah. That Ozyman and Gvara. Probably home, to, yeah. uh, playing together, man. That's true. So we'll see. Um, I, I expect it to, to be tight um, at the top and at the bottom. I expect Hellas Verona to start picking up mm. and maybe Sampdoria too at this point. But we'll, we'll see how it goes, of course. It's too early to make predictions and I personally can't wait. No, I, I can't wait either, man. We'll return, like we said, on January 4th. There's a midweek showdown mm. um, at 12.30 between Salernitana and Milan. Yeah. Great, we're gonna, we're be, gonna at be at work. work kind of thing. Hell. I can't believe it. Like twelve thirty on a Wednesday. Yeah. Come on. What are at you the doing? same time, on the same day, there's Sassuolo Sampdoria. Um, just two hours later, there's Torino Verona. These are all games I want to watch, man. Fuck. We need to see what we're gonna do about this, bro. Yeah, yeah that's gonna. We, be we might bad. have to join them we, we and do a double leave. episode. We, we use leave. leave. We take a day of to leave. Watch the oh games. my god. We might fucking want to use leave, man. Why the fuck not? Bro, we'll discuss. That's a good idea. Yeah. We'll, discuss. we'll discuss. Roma, Bologna, Lecce, Lazio, Fiorentina, Monza, Cremonese, Juve, Udinese, Empoli, and shut the fuck up. Inter, Napoli, Wednesday up. night. Shut the oh fuck up. Oh my god, dude. Shut the fuck up. It's back. Ah, I love it. I love it. Guys, thank you so much. It's been a brilliant episode, a short one. Hopefully, you guys enjoy it as much as we did. Remember to follow us on instagram tiktok twitter rate us wherever you're listening we love you all thank you very much and have a good week Mbappe, Mbappe, is his name Mbappe, whatever his name from uh, France. France. Mbappe. Another freak. He won the golden boot. He won the golden boot. Now, you know Messi, Mbappe, and uh, Niedermeyer are all teammates in in Premier League.